Thanks for tuning in to Power Athlete Radio. The advent of a new year often brings new epiphanies and life changes, hence Luke's new year-long ban on bacon, which I personally think he can only maintain for 72 hours. But speaking of new, the guys talk about how to be successful on programs like Jackhammer and Lean and Able, and why the toughest part will no doubt be fending off all the lady admirers. Your inquiries on neuromuscular efficiency, home gym essentials, training for the 50 and over crowd, and coaches development are all answered here. One of our inquiries was, how do you know if you're performing all the warm-ups and diagnostics correctly if you don't have a coach around? Is the answer numerous strategically placed mirrors? Is it the number of Instagram likes you receive? Can't it be both? Well, for the real answer, tune in now. This is episode 241. Power Athlete Nation, what is up? This is Luke. And there's Tex. Hey. And it's time for a new year, a new show. It is the 1986 movie review show. Oh my God. <laughs> Dude, I'm in. Is this Power for real? Athlete Radio. Oh, oh, oh. Ing. Dude, <laughs> you, I no. am so excited. You just dropped this on me. I will gladly go there. No, no, we'll start, you know, we, what we'll do is if you, if you are a listener of Power Athlete Radio and you think there should be a 1986 movie review show, you need to email Callie, C-A-L-I, at Power Athlete HQ and plead your case. I think that's the only way we get it through. Why stop at 86? Well, we all know that 1994 <laughs> is the greatest movie year of all time. I think we just take anything in, that's ever been filmed. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, well, I'm not mad at E6. I think we got big trouble in Little China. But, Tex, guess what? It's not all about you. It's about our listeners. And our listeners have questions today because today is a crew episode of Power Athlete Radio, the premier podcast in strength and conditioning. Tex and I are sitting in the gym here at Power Athlete HQ. It's a frigid day in Austin, Texas. The thermometer is crept up all the way to like 35 degrees out here. It's currently freezing rain. Uh, there's going to be a nice layer of ice for the drive home. Uh, we'll keep it We'll keep it nice and fast, you know, two precision drivers. No worries. But people, we asked, wait, no, you asked. No, we asked, then you asked, and then now we're about to answer. But before we get going on that, people, it's a new year. Are you one of those resolutionists? I got good news for you. We have packed up our Lean and Able and our Jackhammer programs. We dropped those bad boys on Train Heroic. And listen, if you're already following some of our programming, here's, the, here's how this thing shakes out. These programs are kind of what we're calling foundation programs, like entry-level programs. So if you have a significant other or maybe a friend at the office, one of those jamokes who just can't seem to figure it out, this is who that program is for. It's for that person who's just kind of dipping their toe into this type of thing. Lean and able, it's about getting real world ready, right? Some people might call it fitness. We just kind of call it utility, useful, be useful. Right, Tex? Yes. Who was it? Was that Tom Furman or Dan John? Be no. useful? No, no McDougal. Chris McDougal. Chris McDougal, right? Yeah. It, it, was a, it was like a mixture of talking with all of those cats and that it was like a three-month window we had those guys on, on the podcast. But utility is the name of the game, people. As you know, we do muscles for go, not necessarily muscles for show. So that's what Lean Enable is all about. And Jack Hammer is one of those onboarding programs for anyone who's interested on Jack Street. Jack Street, as you may or may not know, is all about packing on just stacks after stacks after stacks of lean muscle mass, much like Tex and myself carry. <laughs> yeah. But 
in all seriousness, folks, if you got a friend or someone that uh, wants to get into this training thing and just doesn't want to jump in full tilt into the deep end, you know, into the fire, then it's worth checking out. Get those at uh, pahq.co slash get dash it dash 2018. That's all uppercase. Yeah, that's the site. Oh, my God. Well, get it or send oh, it. I should have been send it. <laughs> Anyways, people, we got a couple questions here, but I guess before that, Tex, we haven't really fucking... I haven't seen you in like yeah. two weeks. Yeah, we haven't done a little download. How was the holiday? Uh, all over the, I guess, the U.S. Uh, half, whole week in D.C., caught up with the Georgetown crew, hung out with my sister and uh, crazy nephews. Freaking kids are crazy. Mm-hmm. Kids are insane. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then flew to West Coast, my other sister... Just had a baby, just moved to San Fran, so then kicked in San Francisco, and that's my first time spending time in that city, mm-hmm. and I'm blown away. Yeah, it's, it's in my top five. We've been there. We've been to Northern California, but mostly yeah, San you, Jose, yeah, uh, like Freddy City, Freddy C, right? But not like San Fran proper. Mm-hmm. And then uh, you're fucking back here holding down that fort while I fucking popped off back to Naperville, the Paris of the Midwest. Had some buddies visit me from out of town. <laughs> And I was just basically doing a highlight tour of all the fucking places I'd fucking just used to romp around and own, you know? You took them to that Sonic you hung out in high school? <laughs> no, we were T-Bell, the Illuminati. Oh, my yeah. God. Yeah. We, Katie, Texas, all Sonic. No, nah, we were T-Bell just in the parking lot watching older guys do burnouts and throwing fucking footballs at them. Yeah, but you can, at Sonic, you can put your own vodka in their slushies. Mm-hmm. That's just my high school but whatever <laughs> all right so um what else new year new you yeah yeah now i've uh continued my resolution of never making resolutions but no you made a resolution no i didn't because i initiated this change in behavior to before the new year with let them know what it is it is bacon ban i'm on a bacon ban for a full year at least why because i'm sick of it i'm just sick of the bacon i'm out i don't why I, just cause, because over bacon. Yeah, I'm over it. I'm just gonna see what it's like avoiding oh. bacon. Because I did a Panera bread ban back in 1996 with my fucking buddy, and I haven't had Panera bread anything since. Not that I even fucking go to restaurants like that. If I'm dining out, it's either at barbecue or a breakfast joint. That's just kind of how it shakes out. And I have no problem going to breakfast joints, dining out, and not Tex. Are you listening? Getting any bacon? What yeah, do you guys say about that? It's so big in the fitness community, like bacon. Yeah, what? I'm not. You don't dig on swine. No, I'm out. No, swine is fine. <laughs> Ooh, so like pork chops. Pork chops are in. What other bacon? What other pork product? Sausage. Sausage. I am a so sausage why? fan. I'm the sausage king of uh, the Midwest. <laughs> yeah, wasn't that your nickname in college? <laughs> but I, I still don't get it. Bacon. And you ate bacon. I f- I gave you an uh, egg bacon deal that you ate Mm -hmm. yeah because you fucking sabotaged me but that was because you gave it to me and that is the ultimate buy bacon yeah i think that's a fair assessment if it's prepared for me out of the grace of a a host i'll I'll probably bacon uh yeah turkey bacon all day no fuck no on turkey bacon no on turkey bacon yeah all right well, uh, here's but here is I'll probably do Canadian bacon. Canadian. I so what's that's still ham. Yeah, no, it's not a ham ban. It's a fucking bacon ban. Just is this like you don't like hipsters? 
Maybe that could be it. And I'm, you know, it's fucking Sriracha Band too. Actually. Sriracha Band, PBR no. Band. No, I'm I'm back on Sriracha. That was PBR. a short band. No, but I will tell you. Listen, here's what's more value add is I got a fucking recurve bow, as in a bow and arrow from oh, my old yeah, man. This, this is awesome. Like an old school fucking uh, no no cams, no fucking compound bow, but a recurve bow with no sights because I'm taking up in this year. I'm taking up instinctive archery. That's a formal term? I think so. I don't know. That's how I was introduced to it when I was a kid. But basically, you just fucking learn how to shoot instinctively, and you have the same acre points. You practice your draw, and it's just like fucking throwing a baseball, right? You don't need a soft or a fucking sight to throw a softball. So you just learn trajectory. Will that help improve your other? You my men's league basketball skills? No. <laughs> Which is our next endeavor crew. So heads up. Uh yeah, no, maybe just with your other bow. Yeah, it could. I guess there'd probably is carryover. Just on consistency and draw, you know, stability, uh, the fine motor skills we were talking about when we were fucking playing pickup soft get ball soft over here ball. fucking ten minutes ago. Um, kinetic creativity. All right. Well, yeah, I'll tell you one of my guest goals for Power Athlete Radio two thousand and eighteen mm-hmm. campaigns. Who's that? Uh, just a world-class hunter, endurance athlete. So uh, I think he'll uh, – maybe that's our angle. Oh. But good news is once we fucking finish up the barn here in the next few days, we also have that little archery. Oh, yeah. Uh, that The archery fucking target field we have back there. So that's going to be it between our chess Different. games. Oh, yeah, chess. Here's also – and how, how are we to describe this? Luke and I are setting aside 30 to 60 minutes a day to basically freaking have Jedi mind wars Mm -hmm. via chess. I guess now archery's entered it, but Mm -hmm. we're just going to essentially, would you call it arguing? Yeah. (laughs) I wouldn't. Well, just, uh, I guess debating. Isn't this the the art of, uh, like, rhetoric? Oh, yeah. Spoken argument? Well, no, I disagree. Hmm. Explain. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> okay, <laughs> so this is what we do when we don't podcast. Um, yeah, yeah, but essentially to I- expand our minds mm-hmm. and expand our ability to kind of navigate the, and battle the bullshit because mm-hmm. Luke's full of it, mm-hmm. and I'm out there on the it's road, fucking. In, Luke's leaving me in the trenches taking grenades. I got to be able to battle all the bullshit that's out there because mm-hmm. you got a busy speaking tour this year. At least oh, Q1. Yeah. Oh, speaking of tomorrow. I'll be speaking at University of Texas with Dan John. Dan John's actually opening for me. So if you're in the Austin, Texas area, go ahead and get down to the UT Clinic. Um, and then February, Seattle, Northwest All Sports Clinic. Google it. I'll be speaking Saturday, February 10th, uh, just talking to essentially amateur high school athletes and then unlocking athletic potential. So I got to get you. See, this is what I do for you, Tex. One, I'm more of a checkers guy because I don't have the patience for – fucking chess but i'm gonna you know what i'm gonna stretch it because i know you're an intelligent man and you need that t- sort of thought-provoking fucking site what is it psycho cybernetics no psycho cybernetics is the is the study of self-esteem mm-hmm. you need that well uh, how how we're applying the chess is basically the shower effect ah sham- yeah the not, shampoo not effect. to be confused with shampoo effect no it is the shampoo effect okay but you don't shampoo so it's just the shower effect <laughs> fair enough so basically we want to present one problem one problem a day and then distract our minds, our, our conscious minds from the problem and let our subconscious freaking go to battle with mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm. Then we come out on the other end. I win at chess and Luke gets an answer. Mm-hmm. There you go. And that's fucking, that's the, basically all that we're doing in 2018, people. 
archery, and chess so that we can sharpen our blade to provide you with a best-in-class podcast experience to have succinct answers to questions like, um, let's see, when's the next Power Athlete course start? <laughs> no, like, um, I guess in all seriousness, though, it's just a way to start fucking broadening, like Tech said, broadening perspective, because we have a lot of product development in the pipeline. Speaking of power athlete courses, because we got to get a new course curriculum out, and that's probably going to be out in the next few weeks. Uh, and then we got some fucking pitching projects outside of that that we want to fu- that we want to fire up. And then we also have a fucking block one schedule that we got to put into full fucking turbo blast. Yep. Yeah, I and mean, formalize coaches to then mm-hmm. freaking hit the road and kind of clinic it up. Preach a good word. What do we got, Tex? What do you want to do for first what question? Do we got? Here? First question, I love the Jack Street questions because it, it, it gives us some time to reflect on a time in which we were much bigger human beings than we currently are. <clears throat> All right, Bay 3, fitness. During Jack Street, a few years back, how did you use diet to improve performance and not gain fat? Does diet really matter for muscle gain or does mass move mass? If you could add one sub... That's sub-question, so right, let's good. stick with the first part. <clears throat> okay, so first off, what year was that, Tex? 2013? Ooh, no, it was 14, okay. end of 14, into 15, and it concluded in South Africa. Oh, God, that was awful. So here's the thing. Here's how this whole thing shook out, people, is m- much like... Uh, these opportunities Tex and I are trying to create over a chess match. John and I were chatting there, and I, I couldn't tell you what it was that we were talking about. But it, was, so, Callie, was Callie there? No, because it, it wound up into me challenging John, and this is an extension of a conversation I had with Bo Colombo, uh, or no, Bo Orlando, and he said, you know what you should fucking do? is challenge John to a race to 260 pounds. Because <laughs> John was at like 295 or whatever, right? And I was sitting at like 220. It was kind of like a middle ground. And I think I had more to go, but I thought it'd be easier to gain than for him to lose and get down to that fucking weight. So that's ultimately what it came out to. And it was, I mean, who knows what the fuck I was challenging. Like, it had to have been just a, a barrage of challenging one another to something. You know what I mean? And finally one that stuck. Yeah, yeah. And then it's just like, it, it blew into, you know, John's like, this is a team thing. This is our thing. Let's do it. And uh, we shook out, we wanted to test some new programming. So everyone followed. We had five or six of us on the same, in the challenge, right? And one program, and we split the group. Gain 10% body mass, lose 10% body mass, follow the same programming, log, let's test some nutritional protocols as well, and let's see how this fucking thing shakes out. So that ultimately was the birth of Jack Street, of the bulking protocol. If, uh, if you want a flashback, hashtag, and I'm not kidding here, hashtag 22, the number 22 Jack Street, and it'll take you, I guess, two years back now, mm-hmm. and you'll, or three, three years back? Maybe. Yeah, well, it started fuck- 2015. Mm-hmm. It's three years ago. Yeah. Holy shit. Take you three years back. And the 22 is the relevance is it was 22 weeks, right? And uh, basically we fucking pulled the ripcord. And I can't believe, I, th- I think, yeah, because John went keto. Uh, we went isocaloric. And then. Callie just stopped Callie, eating. Yeah, Callie <laughs> went starvation. Uh, but we sh- it shook out because what, what came out of it was uh, the performance protocol, the leaning protocol. The keto protocol, 
and the bulking protocol because there's four different we, we ended up getting into four different deals but the performance code protocol was like a retrospective thing because let me tell you what we did wrong is we just went brute force fucking pedal to the metal and we didn't phase or stair step or cha change anything over 22 weeks right and that's where we had a learning experience so i guess going back to it shit would get back and get back to the question okay how Those did you use movements. diet how did you use diet to improve performance well first off you have to understand a couple things about yourself right and it comes down to really yes calories in calories out but carb management as well ish ish because you have to understand whether you're efficient or inefficient at metabolizing carbohydrate right so if you are inefficient at metabolizing carbohydrate you're carb intolerant in the sense you need to eat more carbs for it to tap in to uh kind of refueling those glycogen stores right ish so there's other things at play here as well is also micronutrient balance right so how, basically, what we learned is if you are carb intolerant, you need to carb up and you need to train with the fury of a thousand suns. And yes, mass builds mass, right? So if you just slang weight, then you're going to get fucking stronger. You're going to get stronger. You're going to get bigger, right? But here's also there, there, like there's a lot of veins to this. And I don't, this is why we need to play chess so we can organize these thoughts. But first and foremost is psychology, right? You got to want it because here's what's going to happen. You may fall into the camp to, and believe that you're a fucking quote unquote hard gainer, right? That just means you don't fucking want it enough. Um, what? Well, we, during this time, we had Rob Wolf on, mm -hmm. and we broke down the, the challenge, and uh, what I was experiencing, I was 195, and I had to break 220, and I was stuck at 205. Mm -hmm. So maybe this is where the, uh, the uh, what'd you call them? Stair, stair step. step. Yeah, stair, stair step, step or zigzag, yeah. Yeah, stair step getting into play, but uh, yeah, I was caught. But, uh, but as soon as I broke through, as soon as I broke through, um, I guess that stair step, then I was well on my way. Mm -hmm. So it, it comes down to that. So, the, and that's where you got to be able to tinker with this stuff, right? So here's, here's how it shakes out is if you were just to Google, tell me what to eat, John Wilborn, he's going to give you a selection of foods, right? Eat with abandoned meat, fish, fowl, seafood, and eggs, roots, tubers, bulbs, veggies, fats in the form of animal fat, coconut, avocado. What am I missing? We're missing a fat in there. You got olives? And olives, right? And that's called olive oil, olive meat, avocado meat, or flesh, I should say, avocado oil, right? Coconut flesh, coconut oil. Not necessarily coconut water. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the predominant macronutrient fat, Okay. So you want to eat with abandon there. And then we took an isocaloric approach, meaning we ate a roughly equal parts calories of protein, fat, and carbs. Now, where I fucking failed on this thing was Roy G. Biv, right? So I got complacent and I got lazy and I was eating the same foods over and over and over again. Roy G. Biv stands for red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, violet. That is the colors of the rainbow, people. And basically it's our little tagline to say, eat, have variety. Don't just eat red meat. Eat different, all sorts of different fish, fowl, seafood, eggs, right? And especially when it comes to your cruciferous veggies, right? These are like the, the nutrient-dense, lower-calorie, high-micronutrient type of foods that you really need to pack in. And this is where it becomes a challenge because you need to get calories in so you go with the calorically-dense foods. 
where naturally some of these cruciferous veggies aren't calorically dense and they take up their fibrous and they take up fucking gut space, <laughs> right? So you get this gut stretch going on. But it's possible, people. It is possible. So, uh, yes, at, it's, a whole, it's a whole fucking trinity, right? You need to, you got to want it. So you have to have the psychological part, the willingness to fucking go the extra mile if you're trying to pack on a lot of weight. You've got to be able to train hard, right? But also intelligently to not train into excess caloric burn. Does that make sense too, Tex? Yeah, but we also need still some steady state. Bingo. For recovery. Yes, and that was also, so steady state. That was a mistake. I, mm-hmm. I, I, I was in that camp. Mm-hmm. I wanted to savor each calorie, so Same. I limited my movement mm-hmm. and fuck ache. I hurt a lot. I hurt. Yeah, yeah. So I guess the big thing you need to focus on, though, when it comes to this is protein because flesh builds flesh, my man. So that means at least one gram per pound of body weight. And I would start trying to, like, at, if there's no time, let's say, excuse me, time, like a uh, uh, goal, like you want to get this done in, 10 weeks, 15 weeks, I would just start conservatively. You know what I mean? And make sure that you're eating enough to where you can consistently fucking train hard because that's where, that's ultimately where it's going to come into play is making sure you're getting solid training in and you have the energy and uh, the drive to keep training, right? And then from there, I would ratchet up maybe 250 to 500 calories across the board, just evenly with protein, carbs, and fats, and, uh, and take it from there. And I, I know that's where our nutrition team starts with, their, with nutrition meal plans and nutrition coaching is baseline, certain calorie per pound of body weight, depending on what uh, the type of training that the client uh, is, is involved in, if they're involved in any sports or whatever, right? What's the lifestyle? What's the style of work? Are they digging ditches? Are they hanging fucking high wire? Or are they just sitting at a fucking desk? Are they behind a cash register at CompUSA flipping fucking uh, blank CD-ROMs, right? I don't know what CompUSA is. <laughs> what? So all that shit kind of comes into play. But at the end of the day, there's no fucking, like, unless you do a lot of research and get a lot of blood work done up front, there's no, like, perfect fucking lever to pull. But to sum it all up, diet matters. Oh, Absolutely, yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah. So we all we all hit the same pro uh hit the same strength training program but we were able to accomplish our uh our, our body mm-hmm. goals so the, because, because of the diet yes and it's just about how precise you want to get as well cuz I, I forgot that you know on the last part of this question is improve performance and not gain fat well, so it's it's hard to do one perfectly without doing the other but here's the thing. If you are taking a performance-based approach, who the fuck cares about your, if your fat percentage goes up 2 to 3%, right? So you're chasing aesthetics or performance. You know what I mean, Tex? Yeah, I'm trying to re- remember what happened to me. I, I can't remember my fat percentage. It probably was the same or increased, but the bottom line was I put on 12 pounds of muscle, mm-hmm. 8 pounds of fat. Mm-hmm. There you go. Yeah, so I mean... Yeah, it was it was a lot. Yeah, and so you got to also kind of look at this like phased approach as well. So go into this thing and just if you're looking to fucking get strong and big, do it. Oh, and yeah. then after you're fuck you hit your performance benchmarks or you want you have a certain benchmark you want to maintain, I would pop over that 10 to 15% and then you're going to have to kind of diet down into what your goal was, right? So think of like a curve, you go up and you're going to downregulate because in order to lose that body fat, you're going to have to do what Callie did, right? Eat less, train harder. And that's where all of a sudden you're going to see a dip potentially in performance if time becomes an issue. You want to do it in a short period of time, right? 
But if you're willing to get blood tests every fucking four to six weeks, see where your micronutrients panels are, pay a guy like Dr. Tom and Cosenta for supplement packs, right? So that you can stay dialed in. Your training could fucking continue to thrive. There's that option too, right? So it all comes down to like resources. Are you willing to fucking throw some, ch- uh, some cheddar into the game? Or are you just trying to take a broad brush stroke? Well, here's the second half of the question, and I think you got to it, Luke. If you could add one supplement, what would you choose? In the, in, if budget wasn't an issue, I would get blood work done quarterly, right? Micronutrient panel. I know Leia dropped an article about like labs to pull, right? A spectrocell micronutrient panel, for example, and see what you're deficient in. And then fucking get supplement packs to associate with that or understand what foods are going to be the best sources of that to, to I guess, not supplement with, but diet into the right micronutrient balance. So caffeine also helps everything. <laughs> so, oh man, I think three years ago. Fuck, mm-hmm. dude. All right. Moving along. Let's stick with Jack Street. What was the, what was the movement that saw the best ROI for Jack Street? What movements are most people not doing but should? What bad advice are trainers or trolls giving with regards to muscle gain? This is like, what is most people? You know what I mean? Like most people listen That's to this podcast question. because me and fucking Ollie Wilson were chatting about something ages ago. And, you know, he sent me a fucking screenshot of a guy who had a Creed tattoo because, you know, I'm Creed's number one fucking fan. And uh, I'm like, God damn it. There's a fucking population of people out there that have Creed tattoos and Creed's music saved their fucking lives. That's what I was looking at. This dude had a Creed tattoo. It went fucking viral on the Creed fan page and people were talking about all of their Creed tattoos and how important Creed's music is to them, right? So are you going to tell us about your tattoo or what? <laughs> My tribal armband? No, it's not a Creed tattoo, unfortunately. But it is fucking an awesome tribal armband from the year 2000. Um, but, okay, so... Where I'm going with this, people, is there's a fucking mass population out there that li- that wakes up, skips breakfast for a mid-morning snack. They fucking pop open cheesy puffs. They smash some cheesy puffs, wash it down with a Coca-Cola, and then they get back to fucking work. And then they go out to lunch. And where do they fucking go? They go to McDonald's. They get a Big Mac meal. And they get a fucking two double cheeseburgers because, you know, why the fuck not? And then they wash it down with a milkshake. Right? So what type of training advice are those fucking people getting? I don't know, to put on an Abtronic and buy some fucking uh, as-seen-on-TV items. So let's just acknowledge that we're not acknowledging that population. How's that, Tex? I think you're avoiding the question. The answer is that people are not just, are not hitting barbell lifts. They're not overloading. They're not fucking, they're not training at a high enough intensity to drive an effective adaptation. And I'm going to even text throw this out here, and I'm going to say that's emotional intensity as well. So intensity in the literal form within the power athlete land, heavy enough load at the right rep ranges, right? So not the right intensities over the right volumes, and they're not fucking training hard enough in the gym emotionally. So overall training, not putting forth the effort to get some change. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, all right. I could agree with that. Because here's... But... Go for it. I just... I'll get specific mm-hmm. since you're broad. Um, I'm going to go with the lunge. So the movements with uh, the best rate of return for Jack Street lunge. So this is something that 
you can get more creative than the options that are presented to you. So if John programs a dumbbell walking lunge, fuck, man, if you got space, put a barbell on your back. Mm -hmm. Sounds great. You're still hitting the correct primal. But now, like Luke said, we're adding more intensity. And fuck, dude, it is not easy. If you execute a lunge properly, right, you can keep that straight line from your knee to the top of your head and don't break at the hip. You're going to get some gains. You're almost forcing yourself to hit more calf, hamstring, glute and hit this more properly so you have a bigger rate on return by doing this properly at a heavy-ass load. But here's also the not the risk on that text, but here's my chest pushback, is if you're not strong enough yet to lunge enough weight, then wouldn't you get a better return out of just a bilateral lift. So you've gone through back jacks or you're on Jack street and have not established a base level of strength. You're on Jack street, but have not established a base level of strength, Mm -hmm. but we're hitting. So think of lunges appear as an accessory movement. So you're still getting your barbell Mm -hmm. back sweep as programmed in Jack street. You're going to do accessory lunges. Fair enough. So that's where I'm looking at this glass from. Okay. So the lunge, unlike field strong, it would be a strength movement. Mm-hmm. In Jack Street, it's going to be I'm never say never. Right, right, but right, right. I see what you're saying. Majority of the application of that movement will be at a higher volume, lighter air quote load. Mm-hmm. So we can use the same load, but instead of two fifties in our hands, we have ninety five one hundred five on our back. Mm-hmm. So that will change the game because now we're cervically loaded. Even though the load is equal, the volume is equal, the intensity, the stress on our central nervous system is greater. Mm -hmm. So will that drive more adaptation? I don't know, but it's fucking harder. Mm -hmm. And this mental toughness and adaptation? I don't know. Mm -hmm. But if we can improve upon that, then we can theoretically drive more physiological and structural adaptation. Because yeah. you can suffer more. And I guess I see I can, I'll just jump on board bandwagon it. Because if your lunges so are... So you agree. Well, I have an idea. Uh, lunges. I could go the other... <laughs> now I'm going to go the other way. So Luke's jumping on the lunge wagon. And I'll introduce a different movement. But let me put done. in, let me put in a, let me tag a psychographic for somebody who's potentially listening and a follower who gets through the big barbell lifts because that's their fucking jam. And next thing up, they're just kind of cruising through lunges. They're like, ah, oh, I just want to get through it, right? And they don't take it seriously. There's That's probably a lot of people. Yeah. yeah there is uh, what you're getting at is if you fucking attack the lunges at twice the emotional intensity that you would attack a barbell squat or deadlifts, let's say, that's where you're going to squeeze out some ROI. Yeah, and your deadlifts will go up. Wow. Okay. Um, I would also say uh, iso-elevates, not iso-elevate squats, split squats. Mm-hmm. Great. And that's – so how – you would, you're, should execute a Bulgarian split squat is the same approach, the same way that we want to, I was talking about with the lunge, right? So that way uh, we bias the calf, the hamstring, and the glutes for execution of it. So uh, we're not breaking at the hip. We're sending that back shin back towards the pad, the bench, whatever it is you're using for the movement. And then you're pulling yourself forward, your hips, almost like at a, a di- diagonal upward line, like we're going up on an escalator, and back down, that's the path our hips should travel. The knee, right, to target the posterior chain shouldn't go uh, shoot out in front of the toes. Again, there's a million ways to do every lift. Ideally, for our kind of field court sport athletes, if you're applying this tool for your team sport environment, let's bias that posterior chain. 
and increase the rate of return, protect them from injury, and do all that good stuff. I did see a video. Oh man, I don't even want. I don't want a bad name drop. I just and call people out. But there was a video of somebody bastardizing and and saying why the lunge was bad. Mm-hmm. But then just watching their execution and they were poo pooing on it, and it was the poorest execution I've ever seen. And everything that they said was negative about the lunge. It was all there in their their execution. Mm-hmm. So I want to keep it. Um, I love the lunge. I love the lunge, and it's one of our you know primary primary primals, right? <laughs> primary primals. I'm fine. Let's roll with it. Okay, uh, primary primals, and then hell, man. If I'm playing a, a sport like we were playing fucking basketball in the gym earlier today, we were definitely in a lunge position more often than not than our squat position. Mm-hmm. So then, what what do you think? Bad advice is being pushed out by trainers. Ooh, oh. Bad advice being pushed out by trainers. This, I can't, I want to save this question because this is what Luke and I are going to do. We're going to go secret shop a bunch of CrossFits in Austin. Mm -hmm. Literally wear like champions, cotton or mesh shorts and be the least like fitness enthusiastic people ever Mm -hmm. and just kind of see what coaches are saying. See if knees out is still infecting the the coaching environment, see what kind of cues are just randomly said because they think they're coaching and see mm-hmm. what kind of cheerleading really goes on. So I don't know. I want to see what it's like out there. And then we can come back and answer this question like undercover boss, but a uh, secret shop, you know mm-hmm. what I'm talking about. Oh, I know. I'm, I'm yeah. Yeah. I, want, I, had, I had fully intended to do it in fucking Chicago over uh, the holiday, but got roped out, you know, fucking didn't make time. Yeah, so if we can identify what bad advice is given, then we can effectively more better battle the bullshit instead of sitting here in our fucking ivory tower. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But my guess still is, and I'm going to pull out now to not someone who's within the power athlete fold and let's say going to a global gym talking to a fucking uh, NASM trainer or some shit like that. And not that there's anything wrong necessarily with these organizations. It's just that I think... Just in my experience of going to big box gyms while traveling, right, which isn't frequent, but maybe twice a year, and I get to see trainers at work, is confusing the idea that the load is responsible for the incorrect execution of a movement versus the lack of opportunity to coordinate the movement, right? So trainers will more may... Trainers may more often uh, hold their their athletes back or like stunt their progress because they're afraid to throw some load in there or add some speed to a movement. Yeah, confusing the movement deficiency for an inability to fucking be strong versus potentially cueing them up or understanding better ways to to communicate a movement expectation to maintain alignment for a, let's say one of our primals, right? So. That's my guess, what people are doing. Well, this leads us right into another question. Andy underscore tribe fitness asks, neuromuscular efficiency, period. Worth taking into account for intermediate lifters. Would you adjust the numbers given by a program to suit a high or low NME individual? Neuromuscular efficiency. An individual who lacks neuromuscular efficiency. To suit, okay, I got it. Um, 
You tracking? Yeah. So that goes into what you were just explaining. So the problem. So he's asking, what do we do? Specifically for an intermediate lifter. So someone who's been training for fucking, let's just create a scenario. Uh, been training, let's say relatively seriously, two years, probably at like a kind of micro box setup. Maybe they are a former athlete who, who's got that chunk of reps under a barbell, right? Should be coordinative under the, these various movements, but just isn't. Is that what we're talking about? Yeah. So, I guess. The w- so, how do I how do I identify low level of neuromuscular efficiency? Okay, many different levels. I want to use the competency model to explain this. So, if you're able to describe an action to an athlete, and they hear your words, but they're unable to kind of put two and two together with the movement then we're looking at a pretty low-level athlete. On that tier, if you're able to demo the movement, right, one of the oldest coaching tricks in the book, do it like this, and they're able to kind of, I guess, use mirror neurons to attempt the execution of that, then we're looking at that still that intermediate, but it's not what you demonstrated. So they can't they can't put your words to use with the body. They can't take what you are doing and mirror it with their body. There's this in uncoordination. Then we need to put them in different, less complex positions. Again, this is where we break into our, our warm-ups. So where we have the XYZ primal squat, lunge, step up. A lot of our warm-ups are just pieces of squat, step, and lunge that allow an athlete the opportunity to then master one piece then later on in the program, the strength portion of our training, you piece all of those pieces together to e- execute an X, Y, or Z. All along the way, we're building essentially a bridge of competency where they were once unconscious, incompetent, meaning they had that complete disconnect between your words or your actions and their movement into conscious incompetence, meaning they're putting forth the effort to squat, to step, to lunge, to Spider-Man, and working gradually into conscious competence in which they are they're they're consciously executing the the spider-mans the lunges whatever the movement is you are putting them towards and they can they can apply your coaching directions properly until they don't need coaching directions and they just squat step and lunge seamlessly and effortlessly Mm -hmm. so we're talking about proficiency correct so yeah then wouldn't, absolutely, if neuromuscular efficiency is a catalyst for proficiency in this scenario, in this question, then yeah, the fucking goal is always to press that envelope and as we develop proficiency, understand how to add stress to display a a lower level of proficiency and then rehearse that, aka train, right, and continue to find what stressors challenge that proficiency so that we can continue to progress, right? You need to stress to progress. Well, I'm going to throw this one out there. The problem, Coach, is lifting only the PVC pipe or only the barbell until it looks good. Mm -hmm. Which goes back to my previous fucking statement, right? So, So I just don't know what he means here by, like, take it into account. What do you think he means? worth taking into account for intermediate lifters. 
I, I don't know. I'm just taking neuromuscular efficiency, but then throwing out the scenario we don't want to. You got to stress to progress. Like you said, you don't want to do your athlete a disservice of just lifting too light, too long, and then taking away their long-term trainability. Mm-hmm. Decreasing their, that platform for which their athleticism is built. There's so much opportunity by overloading. We got to overload, and then coordination will come. One, two, three weeks, they just need more opportunity. But we still got to continue to progress. Add a little bit of load to accelerate that coordination. Mm-hmm. And then this is also where, you know, I'm just trying, I, I don't know. I don't know if this guy's in the methodology course, though, text, because no. here's, here's the deal, too, is where this, the fucking PVC pipe isn't the only way to uh, build fucking coordinative ability, right? Let's say neuromuscular efficiency, whatever the fuck. That's where understanding, having a deep understanding of what we're calling our primal movements, right? The fundamental movements that make up all human movement, not just in the gym, but fucking outside the gym where the real test is, right? The, the field, ring, sport, arena, uh, I don't know, the fucking asphalt, uh, wherever, right? So if the more you can understand the connections between primals and some of these other tools to help improve let's just call it neuromuscular efficiency or proficiency, right? Because what is what is the limiting factor? Is it neuromuscular efficiency? The problem probably is they're just not proficient at a specific exercise lift or, you know, uh, task. So understanding the connections between the primals, between the warm-ups, between different implements, using things like uh, training under the nine principles that we've talked about, that's what's going to accelerate that primal proficiency so that you have an intermediate lifter who may be challenged at some sort of movement, call it a fucking box step up. Right. And, uh, and fucking start, start building it. And I mean, what are we trying to accomplish in the weight room? Is it get stronger? Uh, yes. For me. Is it develop more power? Yeah. Is it develop more speed? I would think so. What about body awareness? Yeah. So when we talk about neuromuscular efficiency, we're really talking about body awareness. And, I mean, if we're working with an athlete who's got a goal that is a field court sport, just something outside of the weight room, then coordination is the ultimate goal in the weight room. Mm -hmm. So our mission, right, we're not going to sit there with a PVC pipe. We want to accelerate that coordination and work on really developing the structure, developing the, the neuromuscular efficiency with that new structure, Right, just because they build that muscle, we want to make sure that they don't turn into uh, Luke Summers, all la nineteen ninety nine, sixty pound increase in three months, and then he didn't move from linebacker to defensive tackle. We right. want to avoid that situation uh, for for any athlete, right? So we can maintain their same level of athleticism as they become and cultivate this new mass. That's going to be neuromuscular efficiency with brand new structure, body awareness. Okay, I think we beat that to death. I mean, we can keep going. Yeah, because I have a layer I want to throw okay. in there, which brings in open loop type shit, right? So this is fucking, um, I think, potentially, again, like a, a hobbyist who's just training and enjoys training and is feeling like they're getting a plateau. They're having a hard time breaking through a plateau is get out and play. Get out in the open loop. Or if you're a trainer who has these people, a.k.a. coach who has these people, know how to throw in open loop type of games, Right, literally. What's, what's an open loop? Uh, fucking unrehearsed, 
where external environment, you're moving around to have to calculate uh, either an obstacle or an opponent. There is no set and start time or finish, right? Basically everything we try to fucking throw in for our warm up, like our, again, pick up fucking basketball game or whatever the fuck we just did in here. So who, um, Tex, who was our guest? God damn it. I'm fucking blanking. Um, weightlifting coach. I'm blanking on this guy. Out of NorCal. Spitz? No. Maybe he's not. Out of L.A. Who mandated that his Olympic lifters had to fucking play soccer. Play basketball. Right? That was part of their training. Is two days a week they had to go out and fucking play in field sports, court sports. Uh, there's Waxman. A, yeah, Waxman. fucking Waxman. Sean Waxman. So there's another example. How Sean Waxman talked on... Power Athlete Radio about having his closed loop athletes get into the open loop. And this is all these types of, all this type of exposure to movement is what's going to help with the coordinative ability to build proficiency in a lot of these fucking closed loop environments. Right? So, yeah. Account for it, I guess. Absolutely fucking account for it. Yeah. Okay, I got a quick hitter for you. Boom, go. Ready? Uh, boom wasted. What was that? Boom roasted. Boom roasted. Yeah. Office. You think you sent me that clip? How do I explain to my wife, Erica, that the stares from other women is to be expected when following Jacked Street? This is a real problem, Tex. This is a real problem for our listeners. Is this what you experienced when you were on Jack Street, Luke? Yeah. Honestly, you everyone just, wanted it. You know, people talk about. When, when young women have their first child, they just have a glow about them, right? And it's like when a young man spends fucking 20 weeks on Jack Street and has fucking traps from the bottom of his earlobes down to the side of his shoulders that are sculpted like grapefruits, right? This is a real problem. When you've got a chest that is just, you could fucking rest a beer can on, and two fucking sets of erectors on that low back that look like two loaves of bread. French loaves. Let's not make, <laughs> make that mistake again. This is a real problem, right? When you have to fucking buy new pairs of jeans. Oh, my God. This yeah. is a real problem. Yeah. And all of, this, all of this is coupled with the social, the social issues of fending off women with a stick, right? So here's what you got to tell. Was his wife or his girlfriend? His, his wife. Your significant Erica. other. Listen, your significant other. Because, you know, ladies may have this problem too. Dudes may have this problem. Whatever. Here's what you got to say. Just get on Jack Street with me, mama. And uh, fucking make it happen. I'm getting back on Jack Street. No, it's on. It's on. Oh, my God. I'm in. Mm -hmm. But here's what we got to do. We're Listen. adding sprints. Easy. We're adding sprints. We're adding some change of direction. We're adding sport. Yeah, men's league basketball. Mm, dude, so Tex and I are fucking terrible basketball players. But no, that's no, no, why no. we're going no. after it. Well, yeah, I, I have a role, okay? I'm just very outside of my role, not very effective on the court. Inside my role, shut it down, let's go home. All right. No, but in all serious, you got to get your sigo on Jack Street, and you don't train with them. You got to train oh, at yeah. separate times. Yes, train on separate times. I do what I do remember. Ashley did Jack Street. She was with us on the Jack Street Challenge. Mm -hmm. Uh, I, I don't think following a, a diet as strict as us, but she was hitting the program. Yeah. 
Yeah. And legitimately fucking, we would go at uh, 6 a.m. and she wanted to train with us. And I was like, no, nah, can't do it. She, so she went in the evening. Yeah, but I'm just saying it looks, it worked. All right. Barreling forward text. Okay. Here's, here's one question I highlighted I want to hit. And I got a great answer for this. I've been saving, waiting for somebody to ask this. Matt Vassy putting together a small garage gym from scratch. No hustle involved. It's bullshit. What three things are essential and three things would you like if possible? Mm. So three essential, Luke, mm. and three if. Okay. All right. So let's just go one and one. So okay. you, you go, I go. All right. I think, you know, for a garage gym, that fucking spud strap pulley system for like tricep pull downs and lat pull downs and shit. I think that fucking adds an awesome dynamic. And very cost effective. Yes. Garage gym. Okay. So we're sticking with cost effective. Number one. Number one. I'm going a 10-inch box. Okay. Do it yourself. Maybe maybe that's our next. We got the, the physio board. Do it yourself. Maybe mm -hmm. we do a 10-inch box. Do it yourself video. Okay. Um, but I'm going 10-inch box. Not 12-inch. I'm tw uh, What are the dimensions on that square over there? That's 24 by 24, 24 by 10. 24 by 24. 10-inch box, mm -hmm. number one essential. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go with adjustable dumbbells. Adjustable dumbbells. Mm -hmm. Okay. I know Sorenex offers some, mm -hmm. some pretty pretty rainbow ones. I think up to 85. Mm -hmm. i got to confirm that. G-Town's got them. Yeah, and you probably, like, like those. Those, those are extremely high class. I yes. Know, but no, I'm with you, but those are legit. But then you also, you probably want one of those, like, old set of dumbbell handles. That you could load your own plates on as well. Oh yeah, those if you're an absolute fucking savage like me, and you're taking the 140s for a ride for eight. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> what? No good. Uh, maybe when you were 260 <laughs> on Jack Street. Fair enough. Uh, what was that? A 6440. Mm -hmm. um, number two essential. I'm going pull-up bar. So. Pull-ups are a big part of every single program. And quoting John Wellborn, 42 things, strict uh, weighted pull-ups will cure hunger, right? Mm -hmm. Was that it? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. essential. So you got to find a way to put it up in your garage. You know, that, that could be one of the major excuses. Oh, I don't have a place to hang it. But even if it's one of those kind of old school, 1990 fucking door frame pull-up bars, you got to have it in there. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this is a tricky one because... I'm going to rewind and make a correction for you because it's a dip and pull-up station. Bear with me. Because I know what you're talking about. I'm going to go with a dip belt for weighted pull-ups and weighted dips. This is your third thing. I think so. Because my assumption is like, here's the thing. Can I also make the assumption that like you're getting a barbell on a fucking squat stand? Yeah. And, you know, like Olympic set of barbell up to fucking whatever it is, 310 pounds or whatever the fucking. Whatever I clean, yeah. 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 Right, so so that's a given. It is right. Yes. Okay. That's uh, essential. So, Barbell. I think up to whatever you can back squat. So those are like some low cost effect, co low price, cost effective essentials that'll fucking get you get you going. Now, what do you want to go into like the nice to haves type shit? Uh, I got one more essential, okay. and I'm like go, looking around. Go. I'm looking around for something. I'm going sandbag. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Sandbag, yeah. and that's that's relatively cost effective. Uh, when Field Strong first came out, cycle two was sandbag cycle, and I purchased the, the Go Ruck sandbag. 
uh, got a, caught it on sale, but it was up to 120 pound bag. Fuck, I forget what I paid for it years ago, but uh, it's still going strong. So an investment well worth the uh, the cash there. Okay, so let's let's re- revisit that. We talked fucking sandbag, spud strap, adjustable dumbbells, do it yourself box, do it yourself box, right? And then a dip belt. That right there is realistically like 500 bucks of stuff, right? Well, it depends. I kind of it kind of depends, right? Because I'm thinking adjustable dumbbell, like the old screw-off end where you stack those plates on. There yep. are the fucking Soranex version that is, are probably like 300 bucks. So fair enough. But all stuff you can do, like build yourself or find used or fucking splurge on on a high-quality shit. So now let's go with the niceties. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's his ifs. Mm-hmm. His three ifs. You got to lead this one up. I got to think. I need more time. Mm-hmm. See, I'm going to go with... Oh, I got one. I'm just trying to think. Like, a, I, I don't like rowing. I just don't like rowing. Like, oh, yeah, I, rowers out. I think Versa Climber is like Ooh. the one the one way fucking path to, to absolute misery, right? So a Versa Climber is something that, it, it, believe me, there's nothing... I shouldn't say nothing harder because I heard one like arm cycle, the fucking hand pedal bikes or whatever are pretty fucking miserable. Or what was uh, Jacob's ladder? Oh, Jacob's ladder. That's a good one. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're just but, talking about the arm ergometer. Yeah, whatever. All of these are ergometers. If okay. you go to the, the textbook. Fair enough. But let's. I'm going to go with Versa Climber because, oh, you want to know why? Footprint. Small footprint. Home gym. It's most practical. Primals. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, sure, primal. Step up. And push-pull. Yeah, and push-pull. So it's multi-primal movements. Mm-hmm. All right, first first off, I'm going the the Intech trap bar where you can lunge and step mm-hmm. up with. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, again, with the do-it-yourself 10-inch box, guess what we're going to do? Some trap bar step-ups mm-hmm. where we're going to pull and we're going to finish with the knee-up, toe-up. So I love the versatility of that thing. Freaking awesome, genius. One of those things where why didn't I think of that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And... Yeah, infinite possibilities when we're talking primals and programming and fucking athleticism. What else? A fucking, like, ooh. I'm looking at the bar section. I'm looking at the jammer arms, dude. You're looking at the jammer arms? Yeah. How are you going to put that in your home gym? Well, you need to have a fucking rack where you can... Or a strong enough wall. Mm -hmm. So, like, the jammer arms that come on, I think Rogue has them, too. These are all like literally shameless plugs. We're not fucking technically endorsed by any of these folks. We just like their fucking equipment, I guess. But uh, Sorenex, their fucking, well, the base camp comes with the jammer arm option. But we do a lot of fucking shit with that push pull, dynamic pull, uh, single arm snatch, yep. rotation 90 degrees. <laughs> Basically, at the end, when we get bored, mm-hmm. like either between sets or towards the end of the training, and Harry Shaw, we just get tired of motivating him. Mm-hmm. We just start ripping on the, the jammer arms or, or pushing, pulling, whatever the hell we can try to come up with those things. But, I mean, it's simple. Three planes of motion, push or pull, mm-hmm. but still having fun. Um, I am going safety, um, safety bar. Mm-hmm. Safety bar squat. I mean, I'm old school hat filled. Uh, we got a couple. We got a, f- a few variations of it, but I still love the, the old one that John pulled out of the dumpster from yeah. the 12. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Just... I don't know. It's got character. It's got character. It's it fits perfectly. Hatfield's five five. I'm close to that, so it's like, man, this feels good. And I'm gonna mine's kind of overlap. It'd be an upgrade from my original option with the fucking lat pull down. 
Just a plate loaded lat pull down. Or like fucking, what is the one, the, the, um, like the rotational arms, uh, fucking, god damn it. Um, the pec the, deck? No, not a fucking pec deck. It's a cable pulling machine where you fucking can change the arm angle so you could, you know, maybe get some fucking oh. cable. Um, you know what it's fucking, you know what I'm talking about, bro. Well, there's a, there's a few variations. Mm-hmm. Um, man. The, the one with the air system? Not air system. It's plate loaded. Two plate stacks as two separate arms. It's the one that there's always some fucking dipshit that Barstool puts on on Instagram. Like, okay. you know, fucking yeah. like... So running that, away that from. actually got me through Jack Street because I was training two places. One, I was training at the private high school, and then it was, I got rid of all machines except that one. So that saved me for the curls, the tricep pull-downs, mm-hmm. and everything John hit us with it on the program. Um, so I know exactly what you're talking about. Fucking saved me when it was not mm-hmm. broken because there was some kid that come in off hours and just ruin it. Yeah. Um, kid, I blame the kid. It was probably some teacher. That had access to the gym. Anyway, where am I at? Uh, I'll go heavy bag. So I'll go heavy bag. Uh, freaking Brett Bartholomew hits this every single uh, like Instagram story. He's working out in his gym. And there's some variation. He's a former boxer. Uh, but I just want to like pick that up and throw it. Um, freaking um, Turkish get-ups with a heavy bag. Like, forget about it. But um, any, any form, I'm sure you can do lots of uh, variations of rolling and kind of uh, just put some interval stuff. I know we, we did some work with Harry Shaw down at, uh, like, Lakeway Krav, Krav Magra. So, Krav Maga. Yeah, Krav Magra. Krav Magra. Krav Magra. Carve McGarve. Carve McGarve. <laughs> yeah, so throw some kicks, some fucking things in there. I don't know the cost. I don't know the price. But if you have space to hang it from... A uh, a rafter in your garage gym, fucking that's a that's a good warm up, right? Throw in some sports, work on your coordination and and uh, piecing together your movement of all your new mass. Fucking endless rage. What's next? What's next? Oh, well, I thought you were gonna go with like a speaker system. No, I got I already did my three niceties. I know, but I thought you were going speaker. System. Oh, big fucking TV. So when you're doing your fucking uh, Versa climber, you can watch TV. And take your fucking mind off of the, the pain. Yeah, you can watch Generation Kill, Rudy Reyes. Uh-huh. That's what we did <laughs> way back. Um, I, I zoned in. I don't, I don't even know my questions up here. Want to get into some dead bug talk? Yeah, is there a dead bug question? Yep. I haven't updated. Why the dead bug? Why is it so good? And how do you ensure you're doing it right? How do you ensure you're doing it right? Who wears this question? Down? I don't know. Shots fired? Oh, it's just a couple guys talking shit to one another. Oh, that's great. Yeah, dude. Snowy91 underscore you suck at dead bugs. Let's be real. <laughs> All right. So Snowy91, why the dead bug? Why is it so good? And how to ensure you're doing it right? Well, if you have to ask if you're doing something right, you're showing us your your training age and your experience. So we're somewhere in the in the conscious incompetence, right? You're putting forth a conscious effort towards executing this movement, but you don't know if it is correct or not. So how do you know mm-hmm. um, if you feel the tension in your trunk and you're not able to hold it longer than 45, 60 seconds? Mm-hmm. 
you're probably doing it right. If something is challenging within the movement, you're probably doing it right. If some of this stuff is easy, like the warm-ups, the Spider-Mans even, if they're easy, you're not doing them right. Mm -hmm. These should be challenging, and then we're going to add reps to proper movement until it's not easy. Um, so feel a limitation. Could it be tension in your hips? Could it be tension in your hamstrings, your calves? Um, so it all depends on where exactly your personal limiting factor is. That's where you're going to feel it, right? It's just like when we stretch and get in different variations of uh, uh, stretches, right? And then people are like, what is this supposed to hit? Whatever, wherever you feel it, mm -hmm. that's where that stretch is supposed to, supposed to be working, right? Same with the dead bug. We're going to put you in the proper positions. Same with really our Spider-Man, our seesaw walk, with a lot of our stuff. We're going to put you in the right positions, and where you feel it is where, one, you need it, and two, you know you're doing it right. Mm -hmm. And I guess um, you probably need to fucking either set up a... I guess Maybe. a camera or get a coach, right? Because there's, you want to maintain, you want to be stacked, right? You want fucking joints to be aligned. You want toes forward. You want dorsiflexion. You want all sorts of things. And why, why the dead bug is because it teaches all sorts of alignment, all sorts of, I don't want to say corrective text, but we just kind of, as a society are in shitty positions all day. You know, people will fucking blame being desk bound and shit like that. But, uh, it attacks a lot of the poor position we find ourselves in that becomes habit when we load up a barbell. So that's also one of the nice things about the old dead bug, right? Is that we maintain, uh, or we learn about a neutral torso. We learn about tension. We learn about alignment, right? And like you're saying, we learn about a lot of these, these local limiting factors without ever having to fucking load up. Right in a, in a matter of forty five seconds, just like you said, we find out where the weak link is. So that's why the dead bug. That's why it's so fucking good. And uh, yeah, if you're not doing dead bugs every day as part of your warm up, some variation of it, whether it's kettlebell support, whether it's the ipsilateral, contralateral, right? Oh, infinite possibilities. I we should create uh, just some more variations to throw into the uh, the freaking mm -hmm. tool shed. Well, we got the fucking snow angel. Right, I just made that one up. That's fucking abduction, adduction, like a T to an I. Well, some of my favorite variations are in which we get onto a bench press, mm -hmm. and then I or just a bench, a bench, in which a bench press is performed, <laughs> and you slide. Say your shoulders are towards the top mm -hmm. of the bench, and your head mm -hmm. is maintaining the neutral position as if it were laying down on the floor. But you, you are consciously putting forth the effort to maintain the long spine. Mm -hmm. Or you slide down the reverse, you get your hips off, mm -hmm. then you throw some leg movements in there. Mm -hmm. You could even throw some head rotation in there as well, right, Tex? You, I mean, you, you can, can do anything. Neutral head, you can go flexion extension, you can go rotation with your C-spine. And that's especially, let's say you're a guy like me, right? So I got some jacked up traps, people, literally and figuratively. In the sense that, <laughs> what, what, no good? Uh, in the sense that the, I'll, I'll lock up every once in a while, Tex, you know what, what I'm talking about. Fucking at the block one back in September, it happened and Xanus, that Xanus was showing me some of these variations, right? And it's just because I'm fucking like got this fucking trap thing going. Dana Santos even called me out because I'm breathed with my fucking upper body, right? And a lot of that, I, I don't know if it's fucking residual from being a fucking, you know, dipshit high school football player or if, uh, you know, it's just a bad habits, whatever. But this is the type of stuff. If you find your shoulders are getting locked up 
with any sort of horizontal pressing, vertical pressing, pulling, you got to start throwing this that rotation stuff in during your dead bug, right? So that's why the fucking dead bug, because it's one of the most effective diagnostic tools. You can take a group of athletes and pick out all sorts of limiting factors, and like we said, under a minute, and then you uh, you use this fucking thing as the corrective exercise. It's just a fucking beautiful bag of tricks, right? So that's why, Sunny. What else we got over there, Tex? Any other questions? Hmm. Suggested exercise program progressions for older athletes 50 years plus. Ah, this is tricky because when I turn 50, I'm going to be a fucking savage, <laughs> and they're going to need to invent some shit for me, right? But let's say, so what? realistically, this guy's probably got some movement limitation, right? Ah, maybe some baggage like this, and I don't know if it's like a new lifter or not, you know? Because really, if you're 50 or plus, because we have 50, we have 50 year old dudes on fucking Field Strong. We have 50 year old dudes on Jack Street. We've yeah. got 40 year old dudes following Bedrock, and it's not because it's them. They enjoy the the structure of Bedrock, how it's laid out, right? So it depends on your training age. I would say honestly. So we talked a little bit about that lean and able foundations program that might be a good place to start because uh what we do is we we get a nice breadth of primals in there right our squat step and lunge and we just kind of stretch out we stretch out the intensity a little bit in the sense that if you were to take a look at field strong imagine cutting it in half and spreading it over two weeks like one week over two weeks that's kind of the lean and able approach and just it's a little less intimidating uh grindstone could also be a great option for you as well i know dude here's the thing there's young dudes i got buddies who are fucking techs like 30 years old 29 30 years old that are just fucking they're they're young go-hards with work right they don't, and they don't make time to train and they're falling grindstone and they're they're fucking crushing it you know, and people confuse like people confuse quantity over quality at times. Yeah. Right. And if life's getting in the way, grindstone's a great option. But it and and they are they're balancing work, work life, work life, and then this is a progressive training program, and it works in optional days, and then uh, I guess six day a week program, two mandatory, two recommended, and two optional. So if life gets in the way, they're going to take away the two optional days and they're going to hit four training days. Mm -hmm. If the training volume is high and they need more time to recover, they drop the optional days. But if they are feeling up to it, they hit all six. So they're not freaking burning the the candle on both ends. Mm -hmm. They are following a a periodized specific strength program Mm -hmm. that is just doing enough to drive adaptation and accomplish their goal of health, wellness, fitness, strength, aesthetics, but it's not freaking just burning it down. They're not mm-hmm. confusing effort for achievement. They're uh, they're freaking they're hitting a right program. If they need a day, they take a day, whether it's for a recovery from the program or because of life, deadlines, kids, whatever. Mm-hmm. So that that could be it too. And it's just like I don't know. Maybe that's it. I'd have to know what this guy's limiting factors are. Like, what does he perceive his limiting factors are? Did he have any other details or follow-ups on that? No. Well, then I don't got much more fucking info for you, old man, 50 years old. Well, oh. here's, 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 maybe this tells you his age. He asks, he posted the same question twice on Instagram. So he may have um, 
Oh, he's like, ah, the double click. Ah, scram. Well, the first time he forgot the question mark. So he posted <laughs> it again with a question mark. All right. So, uh, but no, you know, all joking aside, it, it just depends on your capacity, man. Like uh, emotional, physical, psychological, whatever the fuck. And um, life. Yeah, life. So I, I do got a dead bug question. All right. I'd like to get into. Do it. Do it. All right. All right. All right. Just a detail question. I was wondering, since you guys and back at BackFit Pro are partners in crime, Dr. Stu McGill suggests hand under the back to keep a neutral curve in the lower back for his sit-ups version, his, his variation of the sit-ups. During the dead bugs, we really want to press the lower back down to the ground and keep contact. Okay? Hold on to that, guys. Any thoughts about the disc difference? Again, I know this is nitpicking. Happy New Year's, guys. Keep destroying meteorocrity. <laughs> is that like a mediocrity? But speaking of meteorocrity, I watch fucking Armageddon. Oh, dude, I love Armageddon. Dude. Yeah. Tearjerker. Ben Affleck at his finest. Ben Affleck during, dude, that, that block. We want to get into movies. Mm-hmm. I, I enjoy myself like a, a, a Ben Affleck block of like Dogma, Armageddon, um, freaking... Um, Goodwill Hunting. Goodwill Hunting. And he's he's he plays a good jerk in Mall Rats. That's a good that's a good block of years of um of freaking movies. So I'm with you. Anyways, back at it. Back at it. Pun intended. <laughs> yeah. All right. right? <clears throat> yeah. So let's let's get into this, the the specifics. So again, a lot of our coaching and a lot of our cues and corrections and directions go into, and Luke help me out here, uh correcting the over corrections of other coaches so you know why does knees out exist and why do why do we see like now a a freaking evolution of internal rotation well yeah we're talking about an evolution of internal rotation because so many people fuck themselves up from driving their knees out so when we get into a dead bug we are asking you okay if we are giving you the direction of press your lower back into the ground we're giving you a direction that is really kind of overshooting the mark to get you to put forth your conscious effort, again, conscious incompetence. You're putting forth effort just to give us a, a good neutral spine position. So we're with BackFit Pro to gain a neutral position of the spine. But people are so fucked. A lot of the people that come to us, right, mm-hmm. at our, our, our kind of the, the CrossFit gig, they're coming to us with very over anterior pelvic tilt. We are directing you, we are coaching you at the back. But what is the action? It's a posterior pelvic tilt. So if I were to coach you right now to posteriorly pelvic tilt, where's the connection? Not a lot of athletes would have that ability. Think back, Luke, to when we taught the the posterior tilts Mm -hmm. from the dead bug position and how many people failed to do that. So we are just giving you a direction to get you in the best position possible. So I want you... Pierre, to think about, Pete, to think about when you press your lower back into the ground, what are your hips doing? Mm-hmm. So give us a posterior pelvic tilt to get into a neutral spine position and then hit your dead bugs. And also recall that we're driving our tailbone into the ground as well. <laughs> yeah. Right? Tell people to drive their tailbone in the ground. I think, I believe 99% of them would just give us an anterior pelvic tilt. Right. So again, it's, it's, we're providing you a direction. But once that direction starts to go the other way on 
barometer? What do you yeah, call it? Yeah, right. This? The pendulum swings. The pendulum. Right? Okay, the pendulum. If it starts to go the other way, then we're reaching into danger zone. So mm-hmm. we are over, we almost overcorrecting, overcoaching to that position. But now I want you to think since since you are um, you were one of my former guys on private programming and your back issue. Now let's think to your hips. Let's get your hips to that neutral position, and then go from there. Man, we got to ping Ruiz and what what he referenced on that, right? And it's, I guess in my mind, it's the, you know, you, you have to overcompensate for the shit you're not good at, you know? But it, it, this exists in programming too. So this is the, the art of coaching, the beauty of programming, right? And it's either, you know, maybe, maybe this is an article. Let me, let me think on this, but it's either the overprogrammers or the overcoachers. There is mm-hmm. a fine line and there's a beauty, and this is the art of coaching. So if we see too much anterior pelvic tilt, well, I can't fucking just over-cue you to get correction. No, I need to build a program. I guess this is where we get into the, the faults versus injury. Um, injury mechanisms. So again, shameless plug, tomorrow, if you're listening at the current exposure of this, I was speaking at UT, uh, University of Texas, injury, uh, excuse me, injury mechanisms versus faults, and then integrating ACL injury prevention into your warm-up. So uh, if you're in Austin, not too late. Uh, I'll be following. Dan John's open for me. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so much here to unpack yeah. and unfold. And also also think, too, what is Stu McGill? This is like when we were talking with Aunt Lowe. What is Stu McGill's, what lens is he looking through? Back health. Back health, back injury. So someone who's coming into him, Probably, if they were going to drive the lower, their lower back towards the ground, right, to learn how to drop a rib cage as, as kind of our cue, right, how to get a posterior tilt in their pelvis and hit a neutral spine, our people don't feel pain, yeah, right? True. Stu McGill's people feel pain when they lay down, when they stand up, when they turn, at every fucking hour of the day, and it's potentially debilitating, Right. So that's why. That's also, you got to remember the, the lane that we're in here. Um, and it's not just, like, no one's right or, not, I'm trying to figure out the, the right language to use here, McQuoken. And it's not that he's right and we're wrong or we're right and he's wrong. It's, it's the, the individuality of it, right? And, and this is where we are working with guys like Xanis on how to, how to better prepare people to, to understand that we're all going the same fucking direction, right? And it's if you know why you're doing what you're doing, you're in the right lane. But if you don't know the connection, you don't see the forest for the trees, that's when we probably should have that caution flag waving, right? So I guess that's... There there is a lot here. mm -hmm. I'd love to get all these guys in the same room and just, you know, rap. Mm -hmm. But... uh, Pete, I hope this provides you some direction. I want you to think towards your hips versus your back. All right, Tex, what else do we got on that bad boy? All right, Ryan Schaefer 9 asks, what is the appropriate age or stage of development to start an athlete on bedrock? I have a 13, nearly 14-year-old son who plays ice hockey at the moment and desperately needs to get stronger and faster for the upcoming lacrosse season and hockey tryouts. 
in May. Well, it's 364 days till hockey tryouts. So you got to get a batting cage, okay? <laughs> and you fucking get that kid in the batting cage, no helmet, and he has to take fucking pitches to the chest. Oh, that hurt a little bit above my right. <laughs> um, so, okay, let's talk. What would, uh, what would like the lab coat response to this be? Like, what do we read about in science and practices? Well, we got different types of ages, right? He's, you gave us a number age. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it also so we would call that chronological chronological right. we got training age right that's how long he's been lifting weights and probably not long probably some fitness stuff or some you know hanging out with uh but with that's pops is that that's more than just like uh lifting weights so that's would you is training age organized like sets and reps even if it is unloaded yeah but i i would say this also connects into the maturity okay mature age yeah, like psychological, uh, psychological age. So you know, just like teaching them uh, some bicep curls or some bench press, right? The first two staples that any young man should and you know should be exposed to. That probably puts them in line as a pretty mature kid versus you know just I don't know picking up a weights and throw them around or losing interest after one one set. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we got our biological age, right? Thirteen, fourteen. How? What's his his uh, body maturity, right? Because and this is like uh, I, I you know I fuck it, I don't know the source, but uh, it's probably I think this is NSCA. Like uh, if you evaluate the height, weight, and maturity, like physical maturity of a fourteen year old, or as markers of physical maturity as a fourteen year old group of kids, they can vary in height by like eighteen inches and in weight by fucking fifty pounds, right? So what does it. so what does that tell you about the actual like biological age I would just say like the larger kid probably directionally has a high like is older biologically than the smaller kid right Uh, dude you never know with genetics sure fair enough thing is I'm sure you have some outliers kids growing up but I feel 13 14 kids probably been playing sports for a number of years if he's a two-sport athlete he's been playing he's been he's been balling for a little bit so I'd say now now is the appropriate time. I imagine he right now is a freshman in high school, mm-hmm. and I strong recommendation that freshman is the socially a, like a, the socially a broad stroke response to get your 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 children started with a barbell mm-hmm. and familiar with training, right? Familiar with yeah, setup, execution, and culture, uh, and approach mm-hmm. really, kind of kind of how it's done. And they do need direction. They do need a guide, and it's great you are personally getting involved in kind of your son's weight room development and not relying on a, a sport coach that may mm. not be as experienced. Well, is I'm trying to think of me being 14 years old and I was kind of a fucking, I was an asshole kid. I apologize to my parents every fucking holiday. Like, I'm sorry. I, I commend you for putting up with me, but I don't know that I'd fucking listen to my old man. And this is kind of comes to, I was fortunate enough where I, I think I've said this on this podcast before. Like, I went to a performance training clinic when I was, when I actually is when I was seven, 16 or 17 or 17 or 18, because I was always bigger and stronger and faster than everybody. I'm like, fuck, lift, fuck, lifting weights, dude. I'm fucking better than these people. But um, I think there's also merit in, I don't know, there's all sorts of things to consider, right? How much it costs and shit like that. But finding a qualified coach, and we have like, for dude, it's five bucks, Zach Avanesh. He was just on the podcast. If you fucking dug into what he was talking about and just his personality, him, 
John and Travis Mash did a collaborative ebook called Good to Great or Good to Greatness. It's on our shop. It's like five fucking bucks. These guys didn't want any money for it. It's like, hey, we want to get this out fucking make it you know and i think zach talked about it on the podcast he gives it to like every fucking parent he works with but i think there's merit into having a third party coach your athlete but if it's just not in the cards i get it i would also encourage you if you're the type of guy who's following power athlete on instagram and you don't think we're just a meme company right uh and you're a listener to this yeah educate yourself in, in the shit that we do. And, you know, <clears throat> I wish Bedrock was as easy as just doing these magical sets and reps, but there's more to it. And we talk about that in the methodology course, right? And it's what makes a coach more effective than another coach is understanding apl- application and execution. And that is also what's going to drive accelerated adaptation, right? Yeah. So. And you say faster. And, and here's what I have to say about that a lot. Often, when coaching speed, it's what you don't do that's going to benefit your athletes. So if you know what to do, which kind of, I guess, is a direction of what not to do, then we're starting a good place. So we do have speed articles, and then we really dive into speed in the the methodology course. And, I mean, honestly, it comes down, yes, at this point in stage in your son's life, he will get faster by getting stronger. Mm -hmm. But a big part of it, and you will really, really change the long term, the trainability and the tra- trajectory of his athletic career by starting to ingrain the proper technique, posture, position, and patterning to improve his speed. And yes, hockey, you will not, it's not like running, but the improving his running ability will then make improve his coordination. We were talking about coordination earlier. Why do we lift weights, right? Accelerate coordination. Well, same shit with sprinting. Sprinting is the opportunity to take everything that you're doing with your body in the weight room and then express it onto a, a, a dynamic environment that is sport. So this will help him in hockey. It will help him in lacrosse, and it will accelerate what his sport coaches do give him because of the coordination and the time that you spent practicing making those mistakes with his body. So... Uh, start him now. Bedrock. How do you, how do you break down bedrock? Get into the methodology course. Yeah. And so <laughs> Tex, let me ask you this and I don't Let's know. Go. I, I mean, we got nothing but time, right? So here's the thing. Let's say this guy is like a late bloomer, right? The kid, the kid or the, it, this, the, the father, the father's son, the child, the 13 turning 14 okay. year old is so a late to bloomer. Me, there's the guy is the father and the kids, the kid. Well, okay. The bro. Well, he is a lacrosse player. Let's go. (laughs) All right. So let's say they're a late bloomer and we talk about this biological age, right? And they just aren't there yet. Puberty isn't in full throttle. Can't, would something like speed kills be more appropriate? Yes. So in speed kills, we don't have a barbell involved, but it is the, it's, it's focused on all the coordinative abilities for speed. So it is meant to be a part of Say, say your son is already in a high school strength training program. It's built as an add-on to that so we can focus on speed. If you yourself are doing field strong, it's meant to be an add-on to that so we can focus on speed. So it's focusing strictly on posture, position, patterning, and all the coordinative abilities that will then be expressed during the speed work in the program. Because here's like, you know, there, there's some nuts and bolts 
of getting stronger, right? There's a, a there's multiple systems at work, right? Let's just kind of break it, dumb it down to structural and uh, neurological. neurological, right? In order for those things to work, we need a specific androgen profile, and that assumes also our kids gone through puberty, right? Or for optimal optimal turn up or optimal adaptation. I don't know. I'm kind of, we've been going for like an hour here, so I'm losing a little bit. But what I'm getting at though, Tex, is it might be like pissing in the wind a little bit. And it's not that it won't, because you still build good habits. You spill, you get the, the weight room etiquette. You understand and pattern the, the primal movements, but you don't get to wring every ounce out with a, a late bloomer. Whereas maybe your time would be better served in something like speed kills. I guess. Okay. Because also right. remember you got like attention span wise, either way, let's say you can only get 60, three days, four days a week, 60 minutes out of the, just listen, man, there's fucking things to do. There's birds to chase, you know, there's fucking, there's maybe an academic, maybe there's homework to do practice to go to maybe speed kills is an option too. But like, I don't know. I just would, you'd kind of have to evaluate that. But what we're the, the parody bit or like what we're looking at as, as our decision point is, really biological age. So if there's like body hair, shit like that, that's usually good indication on a dude that uh, puberty is fucking firing up, right? Can I also say what not to do? I'm just going to tell you, don't do endurance running. And if his lacrosse coach wants to make the team go do laps, right? Special teams do laps. Just no, we're going to get faster. I don't care if he's playing midfield or he's, you know, close defense where you don't need to run farther than five yards. Lacrosse is not an endurance sport. Mm-hmm. Now I'm just getting into my biases. And while, but go, I'm sorry to cut you off. Go, go, go. No, just get away from running laps. Take over the team, even if you don't know anything about it. Um, God damn it. Just, if you want to get faster, stop running farther. And lacrosse is not an endurance sport. That's it. That's all and, I got to say. And what I'm kind of getting at is what we certainly acknowledge that strength being is the athletic or is the platform on which athleticism is built, right? But one, we, there's a poetic way to say this text, and I'll probably bastardize it, but you're, you know what? I got the fucking microphone right now, so I'm going to say it is, you know, uh, taking into account all performance traits, even the guy who is outstrength, outsized, can prevail as long as he is the fastest athlete, right? Yes, it is the ultimate equalizer. So, man, we can continue to go. Like, in the world of sports, speed is king. And we we say speed kills, and I heard a fantastic thing. Uh, Callie and I were talking, and, uh, like, speed kills, right? But then, uh, was it deceleration kills? Mm -hmm. So we talk about if I am an athlete, my advantage all comes down to speed kills and my ability to outrun Luke or outrun my opponent from an individual intra inside the athlete an inability to decelerate will kill the athlete so strength again mm-hmm. it does help build that force reduction ability all i mean all of this is together it's it's difficult for us to say yes do this yes mm-hmm. do that one is better than the other um, but you know we, we want to put you in the best position as possible so your son can have the the longest healthiest career and we don't want to steer you wrong so again Squat toes forward. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and skip. Yeah. Uh, he'll go far. And a lot of uh, a lot of this is covered on the blog, right? Yeah. A lot of in the previous episodes. But yeah, so I, I, you're in the right spot and you're it's about the right time to get to start, you know, forcing it, a mature, it, like a maturation process to training, right? Yeah. If anything, a training and teaching him in weight room etiquette 
for when his body is ready, it will ex- be expressed because he's not going to waste any time. He knows yep. the setup. He knows the execution. And, you know, he can have fun training versus it being forced upon him. All right. Barreling forward. Tyson. Barreling forward. I think this has got to be the last one. This is, this is the final question, and it's got to do with education. Ooh. <clears throat> this is from Jordan Hamsley. Hamsley. In my new job, I am responsible for developing a staff of young, inexperienced strength coaches. We train golfers, youth to adult, all skill levels, as well as court and field sport athletes. As we craft our methodology, I'm looking into reading content for my students. What do you recommend beyond the staples of power, science and practice, and super training? They are ready to learn, and I want to lead them to good content. Thank you again. Well, we talked a little bit about bias earlier, right? I mean, the blatant, like this seems like blatant product placement, but it's, I mean, it is not blatant, but so Tex is making notes right here. I'm just going to let you go and then I'm going to. All right. Fucking, this is why we created this course. He's, he's, he looked at my notes. The, this is why we created the Power Athlete Methodology course. And I don't know, we've got maybe two, 300 people plus going through this right now. And the objective is to take a lot of what you just talked about there, the, those science and practices, power, super training. Uh, what, what are the other books that influence this? Uh, running, Franz Bosch, uh, NSCA Essentials. Mm-hmm. Get, there's a lot. There's so a lot. And so then, tens and thousands of pages that are already boiled up from and, tens and thousands of and pages. And coaching experience. It is not just, it's not, it's not just the information, it's also the application. Mm-hmm. And, and going into that, that, we're talking about the application of, of this information, as John would like to say, from the Arctic Circle to New Zealand for thousands and thousands of coaches who are experienced in this field, right? This is what we've learned over the past, collectively, shit, 20 plus years. Right. If you start to combine everybody who's involved in putting this course together, it's fuck upwards of 30 years of specifically this material, not just coaching in general, because there's more so there. With unlocking athletic potential. So you said it right there. We are working with golfers, young and old. We are working with field and court sport athletes. So the programming, the the strength and conditioning practice in which we are are teaching from the lens, the filter, however you want to describe it, is focused on unlocking athleticism and mm-hmm. setting your athletes up for long-term success. So the term is trainability, right? So, and again, we don't want to waste any time. We pulled the most applicable information from all of these amazing, great sources and then connected it to how you are able to immediately apply it to your athletes. And the course exists in real time. The only way to get better as coaching is coaching. Ask any of the best coaches in the world, right? And not those Instagram fools, the people that are actually out there working and progressing and and taking athletes where they cannot take themselves. They got better applying their programs. So we have Bedrock linked in with our methodology course, and then we break it down. We literally crack a Bedrock open and then give you the marrow to suck so you can apply it. And then you start to see strength and conditioning unfold right before your eyes. And as your athlete progresses on that program, 
you will progress as a strength and conditioning coach. And then the methodology workbook or course, it is there to guide you and accelerate your education on your coach's journey. We're not going to do it for you. We are going to guide there because the only way to get better at coaching is coaching. And we just cut all the bullshit out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but if you need any bullshit, just tag me and I'll fucking throw it your way. No problem. Yeah, Um, that's that's (laughs) Luke's known for, I believe. Uh, Luke has an article online called Cat Shit. Or tell me about tell me about this cat, cat shit really works. Oh, this cat shit really works. He's talking about compensatory. Have you tried this cat shit? Compensatory <laughs> acceleration training, cat. So that's if you want. I don't know one liner bullshit. <laughs> Luke, I'm here. I'm here for you. Yeah, this is what I do for you people. But uh, and and I guess okay. So Tex, outside of that, if the, if the guy's just looking for oh. some books, what what do you got for him? Um, if these guys are beginners, NSCA Essentials money because it breaks, I guess, strength training in two portions. It, it breaks it into the science, the biology behind it, and then the application. So um, that's a solid starting point. Uh, but in terms of athleticism, some we have some varying views, I guess, in application. But if your objective is just a base level of knowledge, that's a good place to start. Um, from there... The order would go power. Power is number two uh, in terms of uh, readability and, and uh, digesting the knowledge. Next up is science and practice uh, because it dives a little bit deeper, but it's the same, it's similar, not the same, it's similar concepts. And then super training, it, uh, again, a more challenging language of strength and conditioning. Uh, I wouldn't start there. What about, um, what about any resources to help them make connections right rather than get lost in minutia and try to fact find some magical answer Levi. yeah exactly um, that's a good question luke so what have you read that has has created a perspective of um uh creating like a, a running the the analysis as you hear something as you see something and making the connections among one another because i think that's where um i don't know and this the what I would suggest wouldn't be strength and conditioning. That's what I'm saying. So, I mean, this this goes to, and one of my, and Luke knows this because my birthday gift last year was a quote book, uh, a book on quotes, and I have to look one up. Um, but in the meantime, do you need me to stall? Yes. Okay. Because what I'm getting at here, people, is um, this concept that everything can be everything, right? So if even if you're reading a fucking manual on i don't fucking know right uh uh, golf specific training can you boil out the high level principles of that because that is one of the common fallacies as you dive into these things You, you know and as a lot of our students and the guys that we uh we work with they're looking at all this minutia and these facts which acknowledging them is important don't get me wrong, but it's also about seeing how the pieces fit from all these different authors. These are guys who are fucking smart dudes who put this shit together and they, you know, it's their life work. But why can one differ in opinion from the other? Is it even a fucking difference? Or are we just getting buried in the minutia and then starting to look for the contradictions versus the connections? And I think that's where people get fucking get lost. They get compartmentalized in this whole thing. So... It's been, uh, that is, I guess, how Tex and I 
challenge one another is trying to find the connections because that was in my original fucking journey, uh, becoming a power athlete coach and mentoring under John and getting seminar ready to go coach some really smart fucking people all around the world, uh, is your ability to make connections, to the material and see how everything works together. Right? So, um, people fucking kind of don't see through that lens. And I know text. I'm, I'm, I'm not finding it. I'm, but I'm tracking with what Luke is saying. What I want you to avoid is don't look at a squat as a squat. Don't look at that one to one, right? See where there is a squat in a lunge, see where there is a lunge in a squat and step up and sprinting. Where does the lunge exist during a sprint and so on and so forth. So then we can start to coach the connections and that effectively expands our bandwidth as a coach. Why? Because I'm talking about, I'm giving the exact same cues between skips, sprints, steps, lunges, and all that good stuff. Uh, my bandwidth. Uh, two quotes, one I know, and I'll never forget, create, uh, Steve Jobs, creativity is in the connections. So you want to get creative as a coach? Mm-hmm. Find out how to coach in a squat and a lunge the same way, which we talk about in the methodology course. Um, but the one I can't find, the quote I can't find, and it's bothering me, and I'll have it by the time this podcast has uh, hit the airwaves, but it's Winston Churchill. And he's like, if you need to search, if you can't find inspiration in, in someone else's words, then you can't find inspiration. Mm-hmm. So he would go to quotes. He would go to you know, philosophers and just find other what wise, wise people said just to pull from their experiences. And that just goes to like, and I find myself saying this a lot, um, in the past month or so, like n- there is no new problem. Mm-hmm. Like if we're facing challenges, uh, kind of with, with power athlete and we're trying to work through them, someone else has been in a similar situation, whether it's from a, a business or an education, uh, or a development standpoint. So where can we learn from their experiences, mm-hmm. which goes the same with coaching, amateur athletes, Olympic athletes, fuck at this sport, this is the original job, right? Is freaking uh, getting faster so you can go and, and survive in the freaking wilderness. The book I'm reading right now is all about the fucking Texas frontier, so I'm mm-hmm. all into Indians and stuff. Um, but amazing. Uh, but just the, the, I can't give you a book to find the connections. Uh, all you can do is absorb as much information as you can and then go out and coach and start to see where all this stuff pieces together. Mm-hmm. That's it. And you want to be, just have the perspective to fucking question. Oh, an empty cup. Right? Yeah. Except, it, you know, I guess I'm thinking of what John was talking about with this fucking Facebook deal about a power clean not having transferred to fucking football. And like, okay, well, why wouldn't it? Why could it? And why wouldn't it? Because those are both totally legitimate thought processes to inventory your knowledge and why it could or couldn't. And then ultimately... For some fucking asshole, it will. And for some fucking asshole, it won't. So there will always be that N, at least N equals one, where you can disprove or prove a statement. There's an exception to the fucking rule on every corner. But until you start going down those avenues and, and truly, I guess, putting to test your perspective and the opposite and try like fucking goodwill hunting when he let one fucking dude from Harvard, he's like in there, he's like, oh, you know, I'm not going to, I'm going to fucking butcher this. But he basically makes the dude's argument before he even fucking made it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Recalling a bunch of uh, stoic and philosophers mm-hmm. pulls, 
pulls all of their quotes. Mm-hmm. He was like, yeah, and I could fuck it. I learned that from my $35 a year fucking no, membership. No, he's like, the- yeah, and to, I'm going to butcher this as well. Something along the lines of, yeah, you spent a, you're going to be $150 in debt for what you could have gotten a buck fifty in late fees. Yeah, yeah. And the second thing, maybe this came first. I got to watch the movie again. Yeah, yeah. But he's like, yeah, but at least I won't be unoriginal. Yeah. Bingo. Um, so, but it, while I was looking, Luke was saying like the the moment it, it came together from him. One thing I do enjoy is trying to um, the seesaw walk is one of the things that just that. It hit the connection. I was like, it seesaw works everything. Mm-hmm. Everything is everything. Mm-hmm. And Luke's like, nah, I don't see it. Nope. <laughs> he was probably just fucking with me because we were in Argentina at uh, the freaking hotel bar. And this is what we talk about when we're freaking yeah. even traveling. Socializing. Socializing is fucking seesaw walks. But, and then forced me into like a, a 30 minute breakdown of this thing, which. Uh, had a eureka moment. I got it, but I had needed practice articulating it so I can communicate to to Luke, communicate to uh, the tennis strengthening edition or the tennis sport coach, whoever mm-hmm. it is. But a meaningful articulation of what you understand, the social intelligence, whatever you want to call it. And uh, again, shameless plug: a big part of our uh, methodology course is we have tasks, we have tools associated with the course that that pra- you practice with the group discussing the information so you can practice articulating and verbal- verbalizing and compre- comprehending this information in your own words to prepare you to communicate to the sport coach, to the parent, mm-hmm. to your son, going back to the earlier question of why. So there is a huge social intelligent component to coaching it's not just understanding the X's and the O's mm-hmm. and the sets and reps. That is nothing. That is fucking... That's baby games. Baby games. It's communicating, connecting with, and getting mm-hmm. buy-in, however yeah. you want to describe it. It is so much deeper, and we take all of this into account with the course. Yeah, but because, because we have failed so much, like, and... That's a big part of it, too. We were taking the lessons we learned as coach. I failed. I've injured people. I've fucked up because I didn't quite understand it. Look, I'm not going to let you make that mistake because you are going to take away from – because if you don't understand this or uh, if I don't break this down to a, a point in which you can interpret and apply this, then your athlete's career life, their trajectory will be changed because of an injury or a distaste or a dislike, and they go away from weightlifting when it could just change them because they're a late bloomer. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. The, that's what keeps me up at night is understanding this and communicating it well enough so you can practically take this and empower your athletes and take them where they can't take themselves. As should be the mission of any fucking coach, right? So, all right, you crazy animals. That's all we got for you. We've got text fired up. I got to go get this guy some snacks before he rips somebody's fucking head off. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for fucking listening to that last 20 minutes of question and answer. And thanks for asking questions on the feed, people. Thanks for getting involved. Yeah. We, uh, Luke and I, why we were playing basketball? Yeah. Because we were waiting on some people to ask some questions. Boom. You did it. And if we didn't get your question, be the fucking squeaky wheel next time. Send it twice like my man JT Strength. (laughs) And we'll get to you. But people, that's it. Thanks again for listening to the Premier Podcast in Strength and Conditioning. Be original. Bye. Bye.
Now it's time for you to empower your performance. Luke mentioned this website early on, but I'm going to break it down for you again. PAHQ.co backslash, in all caps, here we go, get-it-2018. Here you can choose from either Jackhammer, which is basically stacks on stacks on stacks of muscle, priming you for Jack Street, or Lean Enable. This is that real world ready, kick some ass, and look good doing it protocol. Whether your goal is to be the hard hitting hammer or spry AF, Power Athlete HQ puts your performance first. All you have to do is, well, train like a boss, eat like a savage, and sleep like a baby. Until next time, bye!